Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier. Not joined this time by Doug Hay, but joined instead by my good old buddy who's now been on the podcast maybe maybe four times, Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid, how many times have you been on this podcast? That's the you started off with a very hard question that I can't answer. This is this this is going to go downhill very quickly. I have no idea. Probably four or five times. Yeah, too many. Yeah, too many is exactly right. We shouldn't do this episode. <laughs> let's, just, let's just let's just can it. Okay, so uh, by way of introduction or I guess context, what we are doing this is going to be a really long episode, I think, and we're going to break it into parts. So this is a totally new thing for us. Uh, but we are doing an epic thing. It's kind of in celebration, or uh, I guess the occasion of this is that our meal plan program is finally done. And the last time you were on the podcast was at Doug's house when I was living in his grandmother's house because our house had flooded. You were sleeping on the couch of Doug's grandmother's house, and we went over to Doug's and, and recorded a podcast. That was in the summer, and I think we said that the meal plan program would be out later that month. <laughs> Which we, is kind we, of funny. We, we may or, I hope there's no record of that. But yeah, we may or may not have said that. It, it was something, I think a month was mentioned. I don't know if it was saying that month or in a month or something or next month, but we mentioned that it'd be, we thought it'd be done in 30 something days. Here we are eight months later, and it's not really because we've slacked off. It just kind of turned into a monster project. Yeah, I don't, we didn't, yeah, we believed naively that that was going <laughs> to be done by then. It was, it was honest, but yeah, no, we were so out of, out of our minds about that. But yeah, no, it's, it, we, and we didn't go on vacation between then and now. So uh, it's just been a lot of hard work, but really worth it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I was on vacation. I've been on vacation that whole time. You've been working? Well, to be honest with your listeners, you were, by the way, on a cruise and also in Florida. So there is kind of a little truth to you being on vacation for some of that time. That's true. That's okay. I don't mind bearing the burden of of this project with you now. (laughs) Okay. All right. So so that's that's the occasion. Uh, But this is not about selling. We are going to go through... I think, I don't know how long, an hour and a half, maybe maybe two hours, broken into parts, um, really talking about how you, listener, can eat extremely healthily and simply in a way that doesn't cause stress and makes you feel just good about food. Because, Sid, you are the one who taught me this concept first, uh, that you know, if you eat stressfully, if, if the way you eat is the healthiest way in the world on, you know, on the outside, and, and it looks like you're eating healthy food, but to get it done, to get that food on the table and planned and prepped, and, you know, down if it, if it doesn't taste good. If that's causing you stress, then what you're doing isn't healthy. All of that stuff just evaporates like, like sand through your hands. Just the, the, all that effort goes away if it's stressful to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think, pe- I think people need to be aware of, of really, I always come back to like the very basic questions of why somebody even embarks on eating healthier, which is <clears throat> they want to be happier. I mean, I think if it's not because of that, don't do it. So if you want to be happier and feel better, then then you'll do it in ways that are easy for you, less stress for you. If you're not enjoying the process, it's going to make you miserable. But I think what you're referring to, Matt, is the very, very truth of what happens with chronic stress in our bodies. One of the things being weakened digestion. That's an effect of chronic stress. So I've worked with people and talked to plenty of people who are pretty stressed out by the very food they're eating and they're actually not even getting the stuff out of the food because their bodies are are under stress 
because of that process and, and probably other things too. And so it's a balanced thing, but I always want to make sure people keep their eye on the ball about really why you're doing this. And it's not about a diet and it's not about a label. You want to, in theory, be healthier and happier and live a, a good life and be able to do the things that you love. And if you keep your eye on that ball, I think it minimizes the stress of the whole process. Exactly. So that's that's the whole underlying theme here. Um, I do want to make this somewhat different from our last episode. The last one, by the way, has turned out to be I'm looking at the stats now. It it is our it is definitely our most popular episode since that time. Uh, was even the most popular going back several months before it. So for some reason, so here here's our most popular episodes: the most important daily habits, thirty two thousand downloads; stable foods in the vegan athlete's pantry, thirty four thousand; uh, where do you get your protein? Small steps or massive action? All very important questions. And then trumping them all at thirty four thousand six hundred downloads is Sid Garza Hillman on meal planning, ultra running, and why we shouldn't take showers. So that uh, that is quite an honor there, Sid, that you, uh, you're our most downloaded episode. I guess, it, I, I don't know if it's the shower part or just the name Sid Garza Hillman, but people are downloading that in droves. I'm going to say it's that it was Doug's grandmother's couch. <laughs> that was just the lucky I believe <laughs> I believe that's what, that's the, that's the, I think that's what did it. Yeah, that, that might be. So we talked about some meal planning stuff then. Um, I think, in fact, I think this one is going to be actually less about specific meal planning, but um, we'll just get into a lot of stuff, some funny stuff. Oh, I have a funny story I wanted to tell you. I don't think I ever told you this um, because I was ashamed, I guess. Do you remember when we were – so we recorded a bunch of videos for anyone listening um, for this product. We went to a really nice kitchen that my friend had borrowed her kitchen and spent like two or three days just filming cooking stuff, and it was fun. It felt like we were on a cooking show. Um, yeah, and you you were doing you were doing a cutting stuff, and you talked about a cutting technique, a basic chopping technique that pretty much everyone knows. Um, I certainly knew it, but just don't often practice it. I kind of have been of the mindset that uh, so what it is is that you you grip the food with your fingertips, but your knuckles are what's forward, so there's no real risk of of catching your fingertips between the blade of the knife and the and the uh, cutting board because your knuckles are, are there and they're not really on the surface. They're higher up. So you can't really cut yourself in a bad way. Right. Uh, and I think when it was my turn to be on video, I even made fun of you for having that approach uh, as I sort of just in a cavalier fashion just chopped away. Well, on uh, I don't think you know this, Sid. Podcast listeners know this, but on Christmas Day of this last year, I was making uh, a nice little white bean dip with pomegranate seeds and mint leaves. Nice little chiffonade cut for the mint leaves. And I was going to town and sliced the tip of my thumb basically off. Uh, and it was not good. It ruined my Christmas. I had to go to the emergency room. And uh, it was just a disaster. And I've, I have held back telling you that until now because I, I was not using your cutting technique. Is it is it weird? Like, will your podcast listeners think it's weird that I'm happy about that story? <laughs> I, I don't really know. They might. I'm not. Ha- I'm not happy about it. But let that be a lesson to you, Fraser. You know, as as much as I am ashamed to admit that it is, it has become a lesson to me. And now, I uh, I have a really strange just sensitivity around around chopping. I'm just really afraid. And maybe that's what you have to go through. I don't. Did you have ever have a traumatic cut, Sid, that that caused well, you to start being so careful? I 100% did. So I, I was chopping lettuce, right? And it's always like, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, I was chopping lettuce, talking to my wife, not paying attention and just kind of hacking away at it and hacked away on my 
on my thumb and um, yeah, sorry, index left index finger and and again chopped the almost the top of it entirely off. Had to go to the emergency room, the whole thing. So, yeah, that was part of it. Part of it is that of course I work at the at the inn and there's a you know kitchen there and there's chefs and so a lot of those skills I just picked up by by watching them and actually directly learning from them. So it's it's been invaluable. Knife skills are one of those things and like the the you know the conventional or the intuition is like. Um, that that a dull knife might be safer than a super duper sharp knife, but actually the the opposite is true. Like you know, people should keep their knives super sharp because there's less chance of it sliding off. And so that's one of those great things. <laughs> you know, I always tell people like sharpen your knife. They always think a dull knife safer, but it's not. I, I like the tip, and I think most of the times that's true. If my knife had been really sharp, I I would not have a tip in my thumb right now. Because well, I, I, guess, I, I yeah, went I directly it, I onto it. it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's assuming you're also using these knife skills, <laughs> right. you know, so, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I saw daylight in between the tip of my thumb and the rest of my thumb. Oh, And man. I thought it wasn't getting, but it it, it, uh, it actually healed back on there. I got some stitches and they put it back on and, uh, I mean, it was never off, but it was hanging off. Anyway, that nice appetizing conversation. So this is all just so that anyone who, who decides to get our meal plan knows that you are learning from true professionals here who, uh. We've been through it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say we've never made a mistake. But yeah, okay. We've been through it and we've learned lessons. So now we're good. That's that's the yes. idea. Yes. All right. Anyway, um, let's get to it, Sid. Let's talk about some of the stuff we want to talk about. The first thing I want to address is a lot of ideas. So our, our whole thing, what you and I both agree on, and the reason that we kind of did this project together is that I think we share uh, – an approach to food that that I think a lot of people have it, but for some reason you are, are the person who I just have sort of identified the most with about it, and that's the idea that you can eat really, really healthily and really, really simply. Because I think so many people have the idea that if you want to eat healthily, then it takes a tremendous amount of effort. It means it takes a tremendous amount of time cooking, it takes a tremendous amount of time getting the ingredients, shopping for the ingredients, planning the meals. That basically eating well means putting forth a lot of effort. And what I've tried to get across, I think, in a lot of podcasts recently, is the idea that that as you simplify what you're eating, and that's you know this whole journey for me since becoming vegetarian seven years ago and then vegan five years ago uh, has been one towards simplicity. It hasn't gotten more and more complicated. It's gotten simpler and simpler. And every time it does, it's not a sacrifice that is giving up the healthy stuff. It's it's just as it gets simpler and simpler, it just becomes more and more. I don't want to say second nature, but it, like almost by default, as it, at my food is now so simple that there's not there just can't be anything bad in it. It's just it's just a bunch of you know whole ingredients from the ground, and I it, it's such a um it, it's an effortless process really, and I, and I think that's something that you know I understand that you have a very very similar viewpoint on. So what what do you, I mean? Can you address that particular myth, the idea that that in order to eat healthily, it means you're putting a ton of effort and time into all this stuff. Well, I think there's a couple things going on. I think first of all, what the point I'll make is, and this is just because of my personal experience with working with so many people and you know talking in in front of groups like you do. I think that that there's a lot of powerful marketing at play in the in the you know in, in the world, and I think that when we switch, when people maybe are interested in a plant based diet or maybe even just any new diet, I think there's this idea that like. I've got to make a supreme effort, at least when it, when you're talking about giving up animal foods, going to vegan. I think there's a an underlying message that you have to be more careful doing this and you have to pay more attention. I think that everybody, me, vegans and not, 
needs to pay attention to what they eat because the way that the world's, you know, we can walk in the market now and, and come up, you know, we can walk into junk food and we can walk into supernatural food and we have to make a choice about food that we would never make in the wild. We would just stumble upon food and eat food. Well, in a market, you have to make a choice. You have, you have, that's sort of a given. You have to pay attention to what you eat, period, to eat healthy, whether you're vegan or not. So I think the idea that, well, I'm going to go vegan, I got to be extra careful. And I get that too. Like people go, oh, your kids are vegan. I bet you have to be really careful. And I go, well, luckily not as careful as most other people, you know? And so it's kind of this, that's the first thing I'll say about that. The second thing I'll say about it is that, you know, there's this idea that it's hard to eat healthy. And I think, and like you said, it takes a lot of time. I think what people are really getting at there is they want to be able to make equally enjoyable meals to the ones that they've been eating that, that, that's just normal for them, and they want it to be a healthier version of that. And and so they have to learn to work with different ingredients and different a different medium and, and maybe even some different cooking techniques. Um, and so that's a, a learning curve, and it, and it does take an effort, but that's not necessary to eat healthy. You don't have to spend time in a kitchen preparing meals from recipes to eat healthy. You, you absolutely do not. But I think that's they kind of wrap all that up into the same subject. They go like, I want to eat healthier, and it really takes a lot of time. And what they're saying is, I want to eat healthier and know how to make stuff that's equally good. And so there's two kind of separate things there, but I, I don't want to sell eating healthy short, which is it's super simple to eat healthy. I mean, it's, I spend no time. I, I timed myself yesterday just for this the point of this podcast. <laughs> and I got up and I made a smoothie for my entire family, my wife and three children. And then I also made a smoothie for me that I drink throughout the day. From start to finish, literally, and that includes cleaning the blender, seven minutes. So in the morning before work, I spent seven minutes in the kitchen start to finish. And poured out all their smoothies, got mine in my jars, put it in my bag, seven minutes. And that's that's just doesn't take that long. It's super, super simple to do that. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of breakfasts that, that someone would prepare, of course, are gonna take more than that. Uh e- even when someone is making more than that or, or sorry, preparing breakfast that is a normal breakfast, that isn't even supposed to be healthy, that is just the default normal breakfast. That's right. Yeah, so that's a really good example that that just you know, by eating healthier because and I, because the reason it happens for me is that it kind of has become less about cooking. This is for me. I'm interested to hear, Sid, if you think it's the same thing. Less about cooking and more about assembling. So you kind of mentioned like, yes, if you're trying to make the same meal that you that you once enjoyed on a less healthy diet, if you're trying to make a vegan version of that, then yeah, it's going to take a tremendous amount of effort to replicate that meal in vegan form. And it's probably not going to be very healthy. I mean, you might be able to make a healthy version, healthier version but if you know the, the closer you're trying to get, the less, the more processed food you're gonna have to have to use. But making a smoothie or eating a giant salad, dumping half a can of beans on it, and you know drizzling dressing, or or throwing together a rice bowl from rice, beans, some greens, something. I mean, it, it's more about just combining foods than it is about cooking and opening up a cookbook and going through the steps. Uh, it's that, that's what I mean when I talk about a simpler way of eating, it's more about com- combining, um, there is a loss f- sure of, of a sense of, uh, of entertainment, I guess, you know, the, the idea of food as entertainment that, that for me has, has gone away somewhat. I am not entertained by the food I eat, even if I do enjoy it just as much. Uh, you mentioned making food as enjoyable as you used to make it that, that, you know, if you want to make food that is as good as what you were having before, 
well, that's a different story, and that does take a long time. Are you then, Sid, admitting that that vegan food and healthy food is not as good as the alternative? No, of course not. I, I think, it, I, yeah, exactly. No, it's, you can't. it sucks. You, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's terrible. No, yeah, hundred percent. I don't. I, I love food. I'm, a, I'm a complete foodie. But I have to say, this is just, a, just the way that I approach mine. This isn't necessarily for, for, for other people, most people. But I will say that my wife is the same way. Is that when we're working, we're not. We still enjoy the food we eat, but we, we want to spend less time on the food when we're busy. And then on weekends, when we have more time, that's when we actually would put out, pull out a recipe, take time. Now, do we, we also make an effort to be like, if it's a pasta dish, we use, you know, whole, whole grain pasta. So we make steps like that to where the version that we're doing and my wife, she loves cooking. It's her enjoyment, right? But that's not her job. So when she has time to do it, she does it for fun. And she knows how to just take any recipe and make it plant-based. And, and it's amazing. And it's, and it's a non-plant-based recipe, but she knows how to morph it. Um, so I, I want your listeners to understand, like, I love food. And when I'm on vacation, I'm doing all sorts of crazy stuff and eating just you know awesome stuff and, and just different. But day-to-day, that's a different story. And I've actually found that to work for many of my clients just – looking at their whole life and saying, okay, where does food fit in? Do you have to have a fully prepared recipe followed meal at every meal? Or maybe if you dialed back down most days when you're busy, you freeze up all this extra time, lower stress in your life. And then when you can actually enjoy food, that's the time to spend more time on the recipes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I like that approach. Uh, it's one I it's one I myself am moving towards. I mean, we still cook from, from recipes a fair amount, but uh, I found that, that when – when needed, we kind of revert to this to this uh, I don't know efficiency mode where where we don't open cookbooks, we just combine foods and and it works really well for saving a lot of time. What about Sid? Another common objection that I hear, uh, and that is that eating well is expensive. That that in order to eat healthily, you've got to spend a lot of money. Well, I have a you know a couple things to say about that. So, um, I mean, you, you don't have any money, and you eat expensive, right? I look. I, I slept. I slept on Doug's grandmother's couch. Obviously, I'm not. <laughs> right. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a high roller here. So, um, no. We we. I will say a couple things. We don't spend a ton, but I will say that we spend. It's one of our biggest expenses, and I will also say this as it freaking should be. So, there's a. This is a complicated question because. First of all, there's subsidies in place in the United States that make junk food in many ways cheaper, and especially meat and dairy are subsidized. They would never be as cheap as they are in, in the market. And so, when I can buy a Swanson's TV dinner for three bucks and two cucumbers for three bucks, it's like Jiminy Christmas, right? But then again, that's a looking at calories only because I would still make the argument that those two cucumbers, get, I'm getting way for more for my money. For, for spending three bucks on two cucumbers. So it, when you're really talking about nutrition actually being healthy, there's, it pales in comparison. So you know, I've, I've said this before, not on your podcast, but I've said this before. It's like a Porsche, is, it costs more money than a Chevy Nova, but you're getting more with a Porsche. So it's sort of like, yeah, that's why it costs more money because more comes with it. It's not like, well, why should those should be equal amounts of money? Well, no, because there's a higher quality machine there than the other one as it should be. At the same time, you can also, like you just said, eat healthily. Things like quinoa, you know, rice. I just worked with a woman at the inn and she works with underprivileged families and helping them eat healthier. And she said, well, quinoa is so expensive. Well, I did a a quick search on Amazon and it was like two bucks a pound 
for a pound of quinoa. It's it's actually not that expensive, and that was organic. And that's dried, so, right? So I mean, once you cook it, it's, it's even cheaper. That, exactly. So it's like if you know where to look, and you and you are looking at that, and you don't have to do organic in every possible way. We do as much as we possibly can, but I don't buy berries at certain times of year because I'm not going to spend six bucks on a little teeny half a cup worth of berries. It's not worth it for me. So I kind of just weigh the options there. I think overall when you factor in what you're actually getting with healthy food, and I mean vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants, and fiber and water, when you actually factor in how much calories you actually do need, when you factor in when you're healthy, the money you don't have to spend on things like Tylenol, Pepto-Bismol, you know, ibuprofen. Like I don't spend any money on anything like that. No drugs, pharmaceutical or otherwise. I take zero, zero drugs, and I attribute that to the fact that I eat really, really well and try to keep my chronic stress levels as low as possible. So I think it's a bigger picture than just going like, "Well, look at this cucumber compared to this Swanson's TV dinner." Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Right. So, so it's not about. I mean, I guess you could fast food right in terms of calories that you're getting you can get a lot of calories for really cheaply you can't get a lot of nutrients for really cheaply and that's Heck no yeah 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 you go to a big mac for two right now at the mcdonald's in town is it's five bucks for two big macs it, it, you know and that's 250 per big mac well that's an amazing amount of calories for very cheap and it's also an amazing amount of junk food for very cheap and that <laughs> and there and there's your chevy nova and i'm not dissing anybody where it drives a chevy nova i'm just saying um it's not a Lamborghini, and the, and so there's a reason why the, the why the lettuce costs more than the Big Mac because because it's a higher quality product. Yeah, my experience has been that as soon as we first went vegetarian, and this is before we went vegan, but just when we went vegetarian, we actually started saving money on groceries, and and it was because we were no longer buying one of the most you know per pound one of the more expensive items in the store, the meat. We weren't buying that anymore. We weren't buying milk anymore for you know four dollars a gallon or whatever. And we just we were vegetarian and kind of on our way to being vegan. Uh, so I, I actually eliminated milk as soon as I went vegetarian. Um, but we, we cut that stuff out and then realized that when we were buying beans instead or grains and things like that, which we started eating more of as we didn't have meat anymore, um, we were actually saving money. What happened, though, is that I started to learn a whole lot more about eating healthily and found that, that yes, actually I did have to spend – more to get you know the produce that we wanted I and mean, just just filling your cart with produce even if you're not getting organic that it's going to be expensive because that's that's really valuable expensive stuff um so yeah i mean it's i think what i like to say now is that it's not expensive to eat vegan like you can do that you can just only eat grains and rice and you know occasional fruits and vegetables um or sorry i mean beans and rice and occasional fruits and vegetables but as it as you want to as you make it healthier and healthier, it gets more expensive. And now we spend like you; it's one of our biggest expenses. It's more than we spent before we were, we ate this way. But we but it's not because we are plant based that we spend a lot of money on food. It's because we choose to. And when it comes time to it, we look at our our monthly budget and we're like, wow, we spent a lot on groceries last month. Do we want to try to change that? It, the answer is always no. For exactly the reasons you said, we don't want to have all those other costs that come from from you know eating poorly, financial costs and otherwise. Uh, it's just not worth it, especially now that we have kids. It, it's kind of that has changed the the decision process for us, and made it one where we're we're just not really willing to compromise very much, uh, except for things like you said. You know, we don't buy the berries when they're out of season and they cost six dollars for a tiny little thing. Instead, in that case, we'll do the frozen berries, uh, and we or we won't do the the. Sorry, we we'll get the non organic kind of the ones that aren't on the dirty dozen list. If they are on there, we'll just skip that one until it comes into season and becomes cheaper. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just the, it's a it's sort of a different way of approaching food. I don't th- I, again, I'm going to come back to this point, which is, you know, there's a large re- there's a, one of the reasons why the perception of healthy, you know, healthy food is expensive exists does have to, it really is real in this country anyway, in the United States, it does have to do with subsidies. And that's, that's an unfortunate thing. I don't think that, that it would be that way if, if sort of it was a fair playing field and everybody sort of had to spend the money to produce the food that they produce and charge based on what it truly costs to produce food. I think it would be a very different landscape in the supermarket right now. That's a, that's a right your congressman kind of issue. Um, but at the same time, you can do, do not – I just advise – I'm such a hard ass about this. Don't sacrifice your health for, for that reason. You know, Go for the stuff that you can afford as the healthiest versions of the things that you can afford every time and make it your priority because it – to me and I think to you, Matt, it's the single biggest – important thing you can do which is to nourish your body well so it should be the most in, most expensive thing that you well it should be the big thing you spend the most money on but it doesn't have to be inordinately expensive but more expensive than a chevy nova but more expensive than a chevy nova i look i'm not i'm not driving a lamborghini because i can't afford one but i'm gonna but i am gonna get you know i guess if you wanted to make the car analogy i'm also going to buy a car that at least does what i need it to do so i don't have to spend a bunch of time fixing it and and dealing with all the breakdowns and all that kind of stuff and the analogy of course is with our bodies too spend enough money so that your body's machine is working well so you don't have to spend a bunch of extra money and time maintaining it and that and i think that's a a good way to look at life and again to to be happy did you know sid that when they tried to launch this the nova in uh Mexico or one of these Spanish-speaking countries that it was a tremendous flop and they didn't know why and it ended up being because Nova means Nova it doesn't go in Spanish and they didn't I, they didn't know that I think I heard I think I I think I, heard I don't that. know if it's true but I I, so I like to hope that it is <laughs> me too that's so great all right uh, so last last kind of myth around eating healthily that I want to address here. And this is one that's going to come as a surprise, I think, to people and potentially get some people angry and turning off this podcast, which is fine, because if if they disagree with this, uh, then, you know, they're not going to like the rest of this podcast. So you, as a certified nutritionist, the the wellness programs director at the Stanford Inn, which is the country's only vegan resort, uh, author of a book, you, Sid, do not believe that we should think about numbers around our nutrition, that we need to count macronutrient ratios, that being protein, fat, carbohydrate, that we need to care about that stuff, count calories, any of that. You know, I think when people think about this, when they think about eating healthily, taking control of their health, taking charge of their diet, they think about numbers and they think about hitting certain ratios and following whatever the diet of the month is and, you know, doing a diet, doing Atkins, doing paleo, doing eat to live. I guess eat to live doesn't really doesn't really have numbers, but you know, doing a diet where you where you have numbers. How Sid can you tell us that? Well, I mean, I know how because I agree. But how can you tell people that they don't need to worry about numbers around the nutrition? Well, I'll start by saying that if you eat unhealthy food, then you should pay attention to numbers, and and so and, and you should pay attention, by the way, to portion sizes and things like that. Stuff that I I, I think, and again, you know, I started this this podcast by saying this is about being happy i had a client back east who said one time she you know when we were working together she said you know i have a friend in los angeles who counts calories and she's totally thin and i said yeah probably there's a thousand different ways to be thin and i said i have a question for you 
do you want to be somebody who counts calories every day? And she goes, no. And I go, okay, then let's get some work done here. The point is, is that people want to live happy and we get swept up into, and, and, and usually it's because there's a cell behind it. We get swept up into this, into this just micromanaging of the food that we're putting in our bodies. It's totally unnecessary. And I also think this very strongly. I think human beings have this kind of, in a, and all of us do, we have this kind of idea that we're smarter than mother nature. That we, we got it. We, we can take it from here. We find lycopene because we were able to isolate it in a laboratory. And we don't just say eat tomatoes. We say, you know what's going to be better? What if we took the lycopene out of the tomato and we put it in a pill and tried to sell it for fourteen ninety five? And I think that we constantly think we got this better than Mother Nature. No way is Mother Nature smart enough to make food that when we eat it, our body goes, yeah, I'll use that, I'll use that, not going to use that, I'll kick that out, I'll put that over there. That No way that our body's smart enough to do that. We've got to make sure we put pills in because then we know exactly how many milligrams of calcium are in that pill. We feel safe doing that. We feel safer doing that than we do eating freaking kale that has a ton of calcium in it. So again, it comes to, it, it, that, that was such a long, uh, a long you acting as the other guy that I started to think that you were telling me that we had to put all this stuff in pills. Oh no, <laughs> I, I, was, I was, I was, I was doing, I was playing both parts. Yeah, so, carried away with the, so, with the dramatics so, there. So Anne, so Anne's scene. My, so <laughs> Sid's my an part, artist, everyone. Sid, is, <laughs> Sid used to be a touring musician, and he just can't seem to get rid of that that thespian in him. Exactly. So my my, my long look long winded answer because you can hear me be passionate about this because. Again, I want to free people from that feeling that they're that they have to count and measure and weigh anything. I haven't done that in 12 years. I think about food less than anybody I know, and I'm a nutritionist for crying out loud. So, I eat healthy enough so that I don't have to think about those kinds of things. And I think a lot of those things, by the way, aren't really accurate. I think, and also I think, how do you really figure out what meal that you're eating is 30% carbohydrate and 40% this and that? Like, how do you really? Is that really that accurate? I think we can get swept up into this, and it makes us kind of miserable in the process. Gotcha. Good. So totally agree there. Um, and let's see what I'm just, can I, can I make one more, can I make one more quick point? So, that people, yep. so people don't turn this off. Yep. If you're, if you're in a transition to healthier eating and it, and there's a, and there's a, a security in, in looking at those things, I think that's absolutely fine. But I think that a long-term goal might be that you learn enough about food that you can then dial in a diet and a way to eat so that you really don't have to think about it long term. And so I'm not I'm not I'm not against it for people who are trying to learn about stuff and, and grow in the way that they eat healthy. I just think as a long term goal, it's best to sort of let that go at some point and just live better. What's the uh, the thing that you say about gorillas sometimes? I, I don't know if it's on a previous podcast or if you just told it to me before. About well, when I when I teach when I teach when I teach in classes because you know I talk about all these kinds of things and and sort of poke fun at things and try to give people a chance to kind of laugh at certain things. But I say, you know, I have, in, 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 I really have seen this on YouTube. If you look, there's certain videos where they've got secret cameras of gorillas and they're watching them in, in their wild and, and they have actually caught gorillas pull, pulling out a glycemic index chart and looking to see, you know, which, where the berry falls on that. And so it's just a way of saying, I'm trying to poke fun. The, the human species thinks about food in such detail and more than any other species, and our health is declining. It's not getting better. So, you know, kind of like do the math on that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great example. Um, not just about that, but about a lot of other things. Um, I mean, of course, you know, there's, there's the protein. These gorillas aren't, you don't see the gorillas trying to worry about where they get protein. And of course, that's the classic example because they're such a big, strong animal. Um, what do you, this is sort of unrelated to it, but I am just 
kind of curious. I don't know if we've talked about this before. When people say, I think my body's meant to eat a certain way, and I think my friend's body's eat to, meant to eat another way, and that one, of the, one of the ideas that I have picked up, I guess it was from the 80-10-10 diet book, and, and it's not like I think that is the end-all, be-all nutrition Bible, um, but his, you know what he says about, I think, gorillas is you don't see a gorilla saying, like, my, my friend, I guess in some sort of gorilla sign language, saying, my friend, this other gorilla over here, his body doesn't do you know, doesn't deal with carbs well or, or, you know, it needs to be gluten-free or whatever. And so I just, not to pick on gluten-free people, because I'm sure, you know, I know for a fact there are people who, who just cannot tolerate gluten. I mean, that, that's a real thing. Um, I also think it's overblown, some of it, but, and to clarify, I don't mean that those people who have a gluten intolerance are overblowing it. I mean, that there are people who make up that they have one, uh, but actually don't. Um, but I don't know. I'm, what do you think about that? Do you think can we look at animals and say, well, well, they're all, they're all their bodies are meant to eat the same way? I mean, within a given species, uh, so therefore we humans are as well. Or have we introduced yeah. enough weird things in our into our culture and our food that maybe we've created these different things? I think I first of all in the in the in the gluten thing, the way that I look at it, I you know I talked about in the earlier in the podcast that that chronic stress weakens digestion. And so I think that some of the things we come up against, like gluten intolerance, and, and you know, I know there's research out there saying there's, there's no real, like they can't show an actual inflammatory response. But the fact of the matter is I feel better when I don't eat gluten. That's just a fact. I, I have you know, a response to gluten and I don't, I'm not a celiac. But with that said, I think that has more to do with maybe when I'm under stress and my digestion is impaired. I think those are things to consider in the large, part, in the large picture. But I think as a species, no, I completely agree with you. I don't think... I just don't believe as a, I think we're all designed to basically function on the same kind of stuff where we, where we have individual differences to the way that I look at it is that somebody's stress level might be way greater than someone else's and somebody else, you know, because of their family history may have certain tendencies. But I think that we don't, there's no like huge differentiation, the same basic fundamental pr- principles of nutrition apply to every human being. We're basically all related, almost like 99.8% genetic. You know, we are all brothers and sisters basically. And we all aren't designed to breastfeed into adulthood. You know, like it's a mammal thing. Like for, forget about it if it's from a cow, which is makes it kind of ridiculous, but we're, we're all designed to finish breastfeeding at around the age of two and then to wean and go to solid food. That's sort of like a species wide thing. And when you look at, like you said, gorillas, first of all, they're eating the same stuff. And second of all, they're not eating a hugely varied diet with, with products from all over the world shipped in. That does create weirdness in our bodies, but that doesn't mean that our design is like, I just need this where you don't need that at all. I don't think that's true at all. Good. Okay. And I agree. And that's why when people tell me that they can't be vegan, I tell them they are wrong. You can. Yeah, I mean, I had an argument, you know, with a with a woman who's a biochemist, and she, and she said, you know, a hundred percent, hundred percent, you have to have animal protein. And I was like, well, I haven't had it in twelve years, and well, that's and she's like, well, that's just you, and it's always like, okay, yeah, but it's not just me; it's th- millions of people who aren't doing it. Somehow, if you have to have animal protein, how the heck? And if you if you're some of your listeners eat meat, it's like it's fine; you can be totally healthy and eat meat. Um, you know, I just think in low quantities because it comparatively lacks the stuff like vitamins and minerals on amounts that make your body healthy. But, but to make it about that I need animal protein is just factually incorrect because there's too many athletes out there like Scott Jurek 
and even Rich Roll and Brendan Brazier that are and mixed martial artists and all these kinds of people, NFL players that are thriving on plant-based and they're taxing their bodies. It's just completely not true. Good. Okay, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, do you have you given that you work at Stanford Inn and you know they get a lot of non-vegan clientele who don't even know that it, that it is that? And you were telling me about some of the reviews that they that they get in the. Uh, the Ravens restaurant, which is delicious, by the way. Um, I think he's the only one that gave it a one star rating because it said no options for non vegans. Yeah, that was my that was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, because all the okay. other food is not an option if you're not. You can't eat the vegan food if you're if you're no. not vegan. It's not an and option. I, yeah, no, no. So it's like you don't go to an Italian restaurant and go. There's no options for Mexican food on this menu. It's like <laughs> no, you're in an Italian restaurant. That's kind of what you're getting. But anyway, yeah. And so we we sort of like okay, let's respond. And then after like three minutes, we were like. Ugh forget it there's just like no way you can respond there's no way you can respond and so yeah but anyway so what was your what was your question about my question was do you get people coming to you as a nutritionist who you know aren't aren't even on the radar of of this way of eating and want you to help them to get healthy i mean what what when you just because i think oftentimes when people seek out a, a vegan nutritionist they are doing so because it's a vegan nutritionist what I would imagine, if it's anything like the restaurant at the at the resort, is that they would come to you saying, get me healthy, only to find out then after that that your approach is to put them on a plant-based diet or move them towards one. Have you seen that work? Have you seen people adopt it and, and be successful with it? Or is there just too much resistance to, to ever get anywhere? Oh, no. I've seen a ton. And i, I got to be clear. I'm vegan and I'm a nutritionist, but I'm not a vegan nutritionist. I mean, my book is called Approaching the Natural. And one of the things that happens at the Stanford Inn is that people, you know, I have on occasion had people like the wife wants to come to a class with me, but the husband doesn't want to be, quote, converted to veganism. And the first thing I say is I'm not talking about labels here. I'm talking about nutrition. And the fact is the least healthy food in the world is vegan, you know, but also the healthiest food is vegan, too. But when you're talking about white sugar, white flour and olive oil, well, those are all vegan. You know, and and so when you're talking about that, it's, you know, I get that I, part of it. The class is putting nutrition in context. So I'm trying to move people by degrees, and you know, because you do the small steps thing too. I'm going small steps. Most of my clients, I would say, not most. Many of my clients are not vegan. They're still not vegan, and I don't even talk ever, ever about vegan. What I talk about is trying to get more healthy food in your diet over time. Now, many of them and many podcast listeners too email me and say, hey, you know, I've been doing this a while and now I'm kind of making the jump to plant-based. It's sort of a natural progression as you move up the scale of eating healthier food. You're going to get to fruits and vegetables because they are the ones that got it the most. But to jump ahead too fast creates a problem. So with my clients, first of all, I'm devaluing food. I'm going, this isn't just about food. And it's let, let's look at all the other areas of your life. And now, okay, let's creep the food up too. And it, sometimes it's like years in the making. That's the whole idea, to take time so that when you get there, it's not that big of a deal for you. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you told me in the early days of, of our, maybe it was an academy seminar or something, uh, is that a lot of times the very first step you will take w with a client is what you add like a glass of water a day to their diet or something, right? 
Oh, I've started, I've literally, yeah, I've literally started people off with one glass of water in the morning. And, you know, I worked with a, a woman um, last year, and I'm not going to, this isn't, you know, she won't listen to it and it's not, I'm not giving anything away. Um, she was uh, morbidly obese. As long as she won't listen to it, that's good. Then yeah, we can say exactly. anything we want about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never met anybody who listens to the No Meat Athlete Radio, so I think we're totally safe here. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, you know, morbidly obese and, and raised on fast food. And, and just, and just that's her normal. Well, if I were a totally irresponsible nutritionist, what I would tell her would be something that she totally already knows because she came to work with me, which is, Hey, by the way, fast food is not good for you. Well, no duh. And it's like, she knows that that's why she's coming to me because she's having severe health problems. The issue that I want to address with her really isn't about food because she knows what she eats isn't healthy. The issue is how can we bring in new behaviors such that over time she develops a healthier diet. If she got diagnosed, which she didn't, this again, hypothetical with something serious, maybe she'd be motivated to make a huge change all at once and that's going to be not stressful for her either. But for her, given where that was and that's part of my job as a health coach, it was like put one stalk of celery on your dinner plate with whatever else you eat. And I'm not an idiot. I don't, I'm not going to tell her don't eat that other stuff because I know that that's going to create stress for her because that's the stuff she enjoys. That's where we started. Well, that was over a year ago and I just got a text from her two months ago with a picture of her dinner plate and it was like steamed salmon and vegetables on a plate. I mean, this is like, you have no idea what a huge jump this is for her, but it was like over is about a year and a half. It's exactly the way that it should be progressing because she's enjoying the, the process. And so I don't care if she's vegan or not. She may get there, and I think she probably will because now, guess what? She's feeling better, and that mixes in that whole process. And go, oh, I'm feeling better now. You don't want to rock the boat because you you can actually see what's happening to your body, and it's pretty awesome. All right, thanks for listening to part one of Stress Free Healthy Eating with author and nutritionist Sid Garza Hillman. Look out for part two tomorrow, where we'll cover what Sid and I eat on a typical day and talk about why variety in diet may not be as important as most people think. If you'd like to learn more about our new meal plan program called Health Made Simple, which features five different plans, over 20 videos, and live Q&A calls with me and Sid, visit nomeatathlete.com slash health. It officially opens on Monday, but as a No Meat Athlete radio listener, you can grab your spot now at a 50% discount off the eventual price and get started with two special bonus interviews right away. This offer ends Thursday, April 21st, so don't wait. Visit nomeatathlete.com slash health and take charge of your diet with less stress than you ever thought possible.